On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Ryan Dice from The Scalable Company, uh, previously a digital marketer. I mean, they still own Digital Marketer, just one of the companies. And we had an incredible conversation all around how to scale. For anybody who is listening to this that is you know, sort of over that seven-figure mark, uh, even if you aren't over that seven-figure mark, this is an inc- it was an incredible conversation. Uh, I am going to re-listen to this one. I think I'm going to send this one um, to a few of my um, executive teams as well and have them listen because I think there was a ton of gold in here. You guys are not going to want to miss this one. Hey guys, before we begin, I want to talk to you about how to grow your e-commerce brand in a post iOS 14.5 world. If you're doing over seven figures in D to C, you need to hear this. Back when Facebook ads were absolutely crushing it and driving massive amounts of revenue, setting up basic flows and sending out occasional email campaigns used to cut it, SMS marketing included, you'd see it constantly. And so would we, when we were looking at accounts at Mindful Marketing, brands earning 20 to 45% of their total revenue with email marketing with maybe three to four hours of work a month. And that's because they just set up some basic flows and then silence. But now that the Facebook algorithm has stopped spitting out such ridiculous returns, where do we go? Retention. But it requires marketers to go deeper than simple templated flows and copy and pasted campaigns, which we've seen all the time. It requires actually having a system that increases the LTV of your customers and then actually realizing that entire customer lifetime value in a shorter period of time. And hopefully even seeing a higher LTV. We're saddened to see brands do all the same things with their emails and SMS, and we're sick of auditing agency accounts who simply set up welcome flows and show off how many sales they make. Anyone can set up a welcome flow, abandoned cart flow, etc. That is the simple stuff, guys. The real key in retention marketing is digging deep into your market, copy, offer, your creative, and then pairing that with a strategy that turns one-time buyers into two-time buyers, into three-time buyers, and on and on, just like we've seen at our brands. So if you want to find out exactly Exactly how deep our retention marketing strategy goes, book a quick wins call with our team and we will show you exactly how we drive more repeat sales for our clients and hopefully how you can too. Go to mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins. That's mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins, all one word. Now on to today's episode. This episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by my favorite SMS platform in the world, PostScript. They are the leading SMS vendor for growing Shopify and Shopify Plus brands. They are loved by companies like Olipop, Kopari, Brooklinen, and 6,000 more, including all of my brands. Get a free 30-day trial of PostScript at postscript.io slash install. And sure, they're a sponsor, but seriously, I absolutely love these guys. One of the biggest issues that I had was sending SMS messages to multiple countries, and I wanted to send them all at the same time. But the issue was some of the other providers out there won't allow you to send to multiple countries at the same time. And that was causing our marketing teams massive headaches. Postscript solves that problem, as well as their pricing is just up front. You can see exactly what you are going to pay every single month, and you can cap it for your marketing managers so they know how much you actually want to spend on your SMS marketing. It's an incredible tool, and I highly recommend it. Again, go to postscript.io slash install, and please tell them that Jordan West sent you. Hey guys, Jordan West back here with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today, I am absolutely honored, and I always say this a lot, but this time it's 
legitimately true in like a deeper sort of way to have Ryan Dice on the podcast. So I want to give you guys just before Ryan says anything, a little bit of background. So I back in, I think it was 2013, 2014, we had a Taco Del Mar restaurant, which is like a Mexican chain. It's the first business that I had. Absolutely struggling. I think we were probably in the hole about $120,000, which was a lot of money back then. I was a full-time paramedic working just massive amounts of hours to try to keep this restaurant afloat. And I thought, oh, I'm going to learn how to digitally market this. And so I searched digital marketing and of course came up Digital Marketer, which uh, Ryan started, I'm not even sure when, and I'm sure you'll tell me. And it really changed my life. And it really got me thinking in different ways. And, you know, along came Facebook advertising. And since then, now, you know, I think we have six brands, soon to be seven, and an agency and all that kind of stuff. And Ryan, I'm, I'm really saying that without that, I don't know who I would have come across. Um, but your wisdom and advice there was just really life changing. So uh, yeah, without further ado, Ryan Dice. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for that that very kind and sincere uh, introduction. I have no doubt that you would have figured it out, but I am uh, honored and privileged to uh, to have been there at the right time. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, it might have been a couple more years of, of testing, and I may not have gotten all of the good graces of Facebook back in the heyday that allowed us to build things. So <laughs> It was a beautiful thing back then, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Uh, Ryan, for people who don't know anything about you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I, I launched my very first business in in 1999, selling an ebook on how to make your own baby food. I was a freshman in college. And uh, so I started very early and I was planning on going into financial services, going to go, you know, get a real job and everything. And, you know, I just fell into building companies and, and specifically, you know, digital first businesses. And obviously in the process of, you know, launching businesses online, primarily, you know, whether it was uh, software or, you know, digital publishing or early, you know, e-commerce type stores, I always had to figure out how do I market these things? And so uh, I got really into, into marketing. That was the thing I realized, hey, if you can't figure out how to market, nothing else really matters. And so I, I, I dove into it. Like that was my passion. That's what I was all about. And, you know, I, I started writing about marketing. Marketing. I started sharing what I was doing. Uh, this was back in the early 2000s when you know Google was still a science fair project, and people started paying attention. And uh, so I kind of got a little, you know, small little following of you know early digital marketers out there in the world. Uh, somewhere along the way, decided, hey, maybe I should sell these people something. And so kind of started producing uh, courses and events on on marketing. And um, you know, it's funny you mentioned this. I believe digital marketer. I bought the domain back in 2011 or 2012. Uh, okay. The site would have been up in 2013, but I don't even know, like the company as a whole really didn't come into existence in a real meaningful way until 2014, 2015. So you okay, were maybe really super early. Well, no, it, it would have been around. You could have found it in 2013. But yeah. for me, I didn't see marketing and digital marketer and, and the teaching of marketing. You know, for me, I didn't see it as a real business. For me, that was my side hustle. And so I would teach people marketing and hey, here's stuff that I'm doing so I could plow that back into you know what I believe was my quote unquote real businesses, right? Yeah. And, and it wasn't until I remember the third year of, so the event that we started back in, I guess, 2009, 2010, Traffic and Conversion Summit. It's now you know one of the largest uh, digital marketing conferences uh, in the world. But Traffic and Conversion Summit started as just, I'm gonna invite some people to this marketing event. And it was the third yeah. year that we were doing this thing, almost a thousand people in the room. I was like, maybe this is a thing. Maybe we should turn this into a company. So all that to say, I'm, I'm, I'm best known as a marketer, but you know, for me, I'm an entrepreneur. I build companies, I build businesses, and from time to time, get to play a marketer on TV. 
So it's fun. Over the last few years or couple of years now, I, I feel like pandemic time is just, I don't even know what, what exactly it is. You, you've made right. a bit of a transition from day-to-day CEO at Digital Marketer to the company above Digital Marketer uh, at Scalable. Walk me through what that decision was like and what that, why, why did you do that? Well, so I actually, I have not been the active operator of Digital Marketer since 2016. I actually okay. left the post in 2016. One of my co-founders, uh, Richard Lindner, stepped in and another, there have been a number of people. Now, I kept the CEO title because I thought that it was important to do it, but I stepped out of the day-to-day you know, pretty early on. And that's just because for me, I realized that I really enjoy, I enjoy the start, getting it kind of going, the, the ideation phase. Yeah, I hate doing a startup. Well, so it's funny enough, I, I kind of am like zero to uh, to like 0.1 and then somebody else needs to be like 0.9 to one. And then after that, it's fun to scale. So I love yeah. the early initial invention, that ideation. Yeah. When it comes to driving it, I'm, I'm too much of a dang perfectionist. Mm. But once a business gets to about 10 million in revenue, I'm like, okay, I love scaling things about, you know, from that two to 20 million. That's when it's fun for me. And after that, you know, it, it just needs a different type of leader. And so stepping away and, and yeah, our kind of the parent company now. So we had a, a big reorg in 2018. We sold a business sold a bunch of other businesses in 2019, you know, all really great exits. And what we sort of had left was this company, Digital Marketer. And I was thinking like, well, this is awesome, but I don't want to talk about marketing anymore. I want to talk about scaling and entrepreneurship and all the stuff that I've actually been doing behind the scenes. So we created a new brand for kind of those post-traction founders running the same playbook that we did at Digital Marketer, you know, teaching marketers how to market. Let's teach post-traction founders how to scale because there's lots of great stuff out there, but yeah, I felt like our stuff was better. And so it was fun because I got to go and, you know, launch a, launch a new company and I get to run that. But the way we're structured, you know, we have a, a and your listeners may, may appreciate this or may not, but uh, we're a company of companies. So we have yeah. our parent company and then each one of the underlying business units, whether it's Scalable or Digital Marketer or Epic, which my business partner, Roland Frazier, is kind of the face of, they're all run by, by general managers. And so my gotcha. goal is to get the heck out of that CEO seat as soon as possible. So do you t- do you give up the CEO title? And again, just so everybody knows, I'm going to be incredibly selfish in this conversation. I'm really just trying to get stuff for me today. This is just this is I, yeah, I'm sure Ryan just us talking a ton of money per hour, and so this is free consulting for me. <laughs> so do you still maintain the title of CEO and then have them as general manager? Yes. Yeah. Do you still do vision? I do. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And that's why, awesome. right? Because I don't want to, and I, and I made this mistake and it's one of the things that I'm, that I'm very adamant about when I'm talking to other founders at, at Scalable, like you are the CEO, you know, you birth this thing, like you own it. It yeah. doesn't mean that you can't have somebody else on the team that is managing the day to day and running the day to day, but you gotta yeah. be really careful about fully abdicating leadership responsibilities of the company as a whole. And that's with the vision. That's with making sure that, you know, being responsible for, Hey, let's not run out of money. Yeah. You know, let's make sure we're going the right way. And I made that mistake. You know, back in 2012, I decided I had the first time I stepped away from the CEO role was in 2011, actually. Okay. And I did it completely the wrong way. I brought somebody in. I said, that's it. You know, I'm out. You got it. Hot potato. Really kind of set them up for failure. They definitely made, you know, the person that we brought in definitely made some mistakes. But, you know, I kind of said, okay, I'm going to walk over here. Good freaking luck. Yeah. And it was just one of, it was one of the biggest mistakes. It nearly cost me the entire company. A lot of our best people left. Sales tanked. Mm. And having to step back in and, and, and save that thing, it sucked. I mean, it was a brutal, brutal thing. So I'm, I'm a big, big believer in you can bring people in to run different phases 
this, but you're the CEO of the company. You get to stop being the CEO of the company when you sell it. Now, at a certain point, right, when you get into kind of the, the larger eight figures, maybe it is time to bring in a professional CEO role, but really you shouldn't do that until you've got a full-fledged, built-out executive team, you know, in place. You yeah. shouldn't just say like, I'm going to bring somebody else in. Good luck. Yeah, absolutely. And from what I found in my experiences is that vision doesn't necessarily all, if you're a strong communicator, which I truly believe that you are, (laughs) and I think that all good leaders are very strong communicators, that it doesn't necessarily mean that you're in each business eight hours a day trying to find all this time to communicate your vision. Yeah, you shouldn't. I mean, you shouldn't be. People need to be reminded of the vision. But what we do, kind of our process is when we're starting a company or if we acquire a company, we do what we call a 12Q plan. So I'm a big believer. I hate annual plans. I hate yeah. them. I think I think annual planning is a sport. It sucks. It's too, you know, it's too long to be predictable and it's too short to be meaningful. And so we do three-year planning because also I don't get into the like five and 10-year BHAG type stuff, not for entrepreneurial companies, right? Yeah. We found that three years is a really great sweet spot. So three years, 12 quarters. So we look at yeah. it and we say, where do you want to be in three years, top line to bottom line? Where are we right now? Let's kind of break that down. If we just had a straight line growth, you know, the same growth quarter over quarter growth is never like that. And then we can kind of look and say, okay, so we want to go from here to here. What's it going to take to get there? You know, what's the vision that gets set. Right? We got a lot of different, you know, tools and things, you know, processes around there. Then it's a matter of meeting quarterly to do our quarterly sprint plans. So, and then we'll, we'll do a 90 day plan. So I'm heavily involved in the 12 Q planning and the three year yeah. planning, and I'm heavily involved in the quarterly sprint planning. And then the general managers, they're executing weekly, they're tracking weekly and, and there's a monthly business review. So I get a mid month check-in, Hey, how are we progressing? How are things looking? Uh, and then there's a monthly business review. We say, how are we looking this month? And I'm, I'm there to be a guide and, and give feedback and, you know, an advice and to, and to uh, break down barriers and things like that. But they're accountable to execution yeah, at that point. Absolutely. Ryan, I got, I got, a, I got a few questions. I got a bunch of questions that we're going to go through here and uh, we'll, we'll try and keep it at 25 minutes today. As a CEO of multiple companies, what are your KPIs that you are looking at tracking? Across? So what I'm tracking is budget, like so sales and expenses and budget variances. Like that is primarily what I am looking at from a top level view. Each company is going to have certain North Star metrics that are more forward looking. And so yeah. I'm reviewing those as well. But but that's really what I am personally looking at and then making sure that just, you know, the balance sheet of the company is growing. Yeah. That's what I'm personally looking at on a day-to-day basis. Now, every now and then I'm going to dive in. I operate at 30,000 feet or one inch. And so if mm. I'm active in a project, then I'm active in that project. But there's no middle for me. Gotcha. And I don't think there should be for any CEO, by the way. I don't think that's unique to me. I think CEOs, you're kind of living at the extremes and your team is filling in the middle. It's absolutely right. One of the uh, coaches that we have uh, had an incredible session yesterday and we use in all of our companies, uh, we use Clifton Strengths yep. with coaching. And so he was going through our executive level at one of our companies, uh, the strengths. And uh, and I realized there's this strength of a maximizer and a maximizer is able to find that one thing of the 10,000 things that are going on and know that's the thing that we need to be doing. Everybody get on board with this one thing. And that's the thing to be doing. And I, I, I feel like as leader CEO, that is one of the the main roles is like synthesizing all of these things and then digging straight down into that. Is that, am I, am I right there? I think you think you are. And I think you, I think you have to have the perspective to do that. So it's nearly impossible to do that if you're in the weeds. I mean, the expression, you can't read the label from inside the jar. If you are active in the day to day, right? If you are daily, weekly executing, 
how on earth can you have the perspective to say, ooh, that thing? Because all yeah. you're really looking at is the thing right in front of you. Absolutely. And so I, I think you're right. And I think that's why CEOs... Now, again, you won't be that day one. So be careful. Like if you're brand new, if you got a startup going and it's just you, I'm not saying that because you got CEO title that you get to do that, yeah. right? From about zero to at least a million dollars in revenue, you're in the trenches. You're freaking hustling, all right? Yeah. You're pushing. Yeah. Like there is nothing else. Like you don't just get to be like, what do you do? I visionate for a living. Screw that, right? No, <laughs> uh-uh. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm yeah. saying at this point, you know, you've got into the millions of dollars in revenue, which means you can afford to have a, you know, an executive leadership team there in place, people who are competent, who can execute. Then you have the ability and you really should get that top level visibility. Let's talk quarterly planning sessions, those quarterly sprints. What do those look like? Could you walk me through what you guys, and I'm, I'm assuming that this is something that you guys teach at Scalable as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it is. We've, we've got a program called Scalable Operating System Accelerator. We walk through our entire process. And so the, yeah, the, the way the basic flow, we, we start with what happened, right? So how we do last quarter, how we doing yeah. with respect to our targets. So going back to that, those 12 Q targets, we knew where we were supposed to be in the last quarter and where we're supposed to be for this quarter. You know, it's generally projected out. Yeah. Can I just step in yeah. for one sec? I just want to go to the yeah. who, who is at these quarterly planning sessions? Oh, great. Yeah. Great, great. So it is, it's the general manager and the senior executive team. Okay. So if like for us, we we generally at our business units don't have C-levels. So it is, you know, we have director levels and like head ofs. So yeah. the general manager who, you know, might also be a president or a senior vice president, that kind of thing. And yeah. then their next level of leadership is all there. Okay. And so it's a look back, you know, how'd we do? Uh, we want to do business with the past. So we always open up doing business with the past. What were the wins? What were the, the losses? What can we learn? We're not going to bring baggage, but we're going to bring lessons. Okay. Then what we do is we say, okay, what is the gap? If we were to do nothing except show up and generally do what we did. Where do we, we believe we finished? Where do we need to finish from a top line, bottom line? And now what is that gap? Once we understand uh, the gap in our business goal, then we can say, okay, what are the forward-looking metrics that we need to really move to impact that gap? So is it, the, is it just a matter of getting more leads? Do we have a retention issue? You know, yep. is it a combination? So we're going to really dig in and say, you know, what are the three to four forward-looking metrics, what we call our North Star metrics, that we need to emphasize. And these are leading indicator metrics. Correct. Leading yeah. indicator metrics. These are not yeah. revenue numbers. We're yeah. going to know the revenue gap, the profitability gap. Yeah. That like that is in general our our business goal. There may come a day where we say, you know, we don't care about revenue growth or profitability. We only care about share of voice or something. I don't see that day coming anytime soon. We're <laughs> like, how much money do we want to freaking yeah. make? All right. <laughs> what is our growth going to be? Where are we now? That's going to give us a gap. You know, what metrics must change to close that gap? And then it is, what must we do to move those metrics, which we believe will close those gaps? And then we're, you know, generally we brainstorm then key initiatives. And, and we do this with post-it notes and a whiteboard. So we'll have everybody kind of write down their key initiatives, both things that are open that they think should continue, carry over, and they get put on the whiteboard. And what I love about post-it notes is you can stack them. And so that says we got a lot of agreement here. Everybody thinks we should uh, do yes. this. And yes. then we'll begin to group. You're like, really, all of these are kind of related to this one thing. And so, you know, these two things over here, they're really kind of different stages of the same thing. So can we, you know, just put those together? So then what we'll do is, so we'll kind of create some general strategic pillars. So all like, these are the big strategic pillars for the, for the quarter, the categories of things we need to get done. And under each strategic pillar, you know, there might be three to five, what we call key initiatives. So in any given quarter, depending on team size, and no one team can do more than three key initiatives. And even that's a lot, right? So we're generally looking at kind of three, five, seven key initiatives. 
I just want to st- step in for a second to, I just want to try and get some context around key initiatives comparatively to other operating systems that are out there, scaling up being one of them. Would that be like rocks, the key initiatives or like the rocks in scaling yeah, up? I'm I mean, not sure if you're familiar with that method or not. I am. But. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I mean, Vern's a, Vern's a buddy. So yeah, very familiar with it. So rocks is, as it relates to a specific project. Yes. I've seen people use rocks to mean goal, like an, an important goal. Mm. And so this is, these are inputs, not outputs. Does that make sense? Yes. And I wanted our audience to know that. Yeah, no, I think it's great. So a key initiative is this is a specific project that we are going to get done that is over and above kind of the day-to-day whirlwind. Yeah. You know, so it's not like, I think we should just keep doing what we've always been doing. Like if we keep doing what we've always been doing, we're going to get the same results, maybe a little worse. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so always worse because the competition will just continue to rise. Yeah, I mean, there's always diminishing returns. So it's so the key initiatives are these are the new things that we need to do over and above what we're already doing. Yeah. And so we kind of pick those and then we say, okay, can we get these done? All of these things. And we'll assign, you know, deadlines to them, areas of responsibility. And so we've got our key initiatives. We believe those key initiatives will move the success metrics, those North Star metrics. If the North Star metrics are achieved, we should close our gap. Uh, we'll generally select a theme, kind of the, a rallying cry. Oftentimes we'll print up t-shirts and things like that, that kind of relates to that. Very often the rallying yeah. cries, the themes will carry over from quarter to quarter. Yeah. And then we'll come back after that and announce it to the team, make sure we didn't really miss anything. Mm. And so we'll kind of push it down to them. They'll push it back up to us and then we'll do one final. Okay, here we go. So we generally like to do the quarterly planning meetings the last week of the quarter or no later than the first week of the quarter that we're in. So we'd like to plan for the next quarter you know, a week or two before the previous quarter ends. With just thinking of like the sticky notes and that sort of thing, this sounds like an in-person event. Is that right? That is always the preference. So this is something where I would say it's worth investing, even if you're a remote first company, which we are now. Yeah. We used to all literally be in one 18,000 square foot building in Austin, Texas. And now we're remote. You know, when COVID happened, we test a remote. We're like, I think we like this better. Let, let's keep yeah. it. But we do, yeah. we will fly everybody in. And so having multiple businesses, we try to do it to where this kind company's on this day, this company's on this day. But keep in mind in those meetings, I'm largely a facilitator, you know, so I'm in there. It, it's really is up to the teams to do this. And so I'm, we're there more to approve the budget, to approve the key initiatives. Do we agree? How can we help? So they, we've even done it before where they're happening simultaneously. And we're kind of bouncing back and forth from the different rooms. But yeah, I would absolutely encourage get everybody together. For us, this is a two-day meeting. So we spend two days per quarter Two days this. per company. Yeah, two days per company per quarter. It's a big investment, but we found that it is really, really worth it. The first day is usually looking back. Uh, you know, you mentioned the different personality tests like Strengths Finders. We'll usually do one of those. We'll kind of rotate them out. Good conversation, good kind of team bonding, you know, break yeah. some bread, you know, begin to brainstorm some things. And then the next day is all that. We have done them remote. Uh, so when it's remote, it's usually two half days. Because you don't really have a lot of the bread breaking and a lot of the other stuff. Uh, So it's generally two half days. It's not as effective. It's better than nothing. But we obviously had to do that a lot during COVID. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and hopefully this is this is going to be a, a distant memory where we're not able to get together. Though I think that some things like remote work sticking around is not a horrible thing. I mean, we haven't found any productivity issues. Let's take a quick break. 
Hey guys, just a quick note from me. You know, if the beginning of this year has been absolutely brutal for ads, you are not alone. There's a lot of people out there that are absolutely struggling. Now, we have not been seeing nearly the carnage that a lot of you out there have been seeing at AppGrowth Commerce. And so I put together this master document. It took me hours upon hours to put together for you guys. And I want to give it to you guys for absolutely free. And so this walks through the three big fixes that we're seeing to fix your Facebook ad account. In 2024. And I really do think that this is the way, again, we're not seeing those issues barely at all in any of the accounts. And we handle a lot of accounts between the brands that I own, between everyone else that we work with at AppGrowth Commerce. We're just not seeing those same issues that a lot of people are seeing. And so I've identified these three huge buckets and I've got a master document that walks through all of that. So if you guys want to go to www.appgrowthcommerce.com slash ad problems. That's upgrowthcommerce.com slash ad problems and download the resource from there. I think that you guys are going to get a ton from this document and hopefully be able to turn your ad account around. Now, remember, if this is not an issue for you, that's totally okay. <laughs> but if you are having issues with your ad account in 2024, I highly recommend going and downloading that resource again, upgrowthcommerce.com slash ad problems. Now back to today's episode. Yeah, same. We, I mean, we did in the beginning uh, and then we kind of learned how to work. I mean, there were a lot of people who were on the team who, you know, discovered that they really didn't like working remote. So they found other opportunities somewhere else. And we were able to attract some people who did want to work remote and the, their current company did. So yeah. uh, I don't think it's for everyone, but I know it's, it's worked well for us. Yeah. Yeah. We lost a few employees who wanted the in-person yeah. in person aspect and we just weren't going to go back to it at, at a few of the companies. Same. Ryan, I, I want to ask you a little bit more about, about Scalable because I'm actually <laughs> genuinely interested in what your and what the scaling operating system has to offer. Walk me through kind of why somebody would potentially make a switch from, well, first of all, I think a lot of people who are listening to this and guys, this is no slight against you. I just know myself and the way that I've been are probably not operating with any operating system whatsoever. Maybe Maybe not even doing quarterly planning, maybe just thinking of some goals in your head and in the day to day. Why in the world would you need an operating system, first of all? And then in the nicest way possible, sell me on scalable. Sure. Uh, well, I would argue that everybody is operating under some kind of an operating system. Uh, it just isn't a very good one, right? Yeah. It just, uh, it, it's probably outdated. And so what we say is like, you have an operating system. It just may be a you OS. You are the operating <laughs> system. The operating system is yeah. you. Yeah. Jordan and so, operating system. Yeah, exactly. You're operating under a Jordan OS or a Bob yeah. OS or a, you know, Sally OS. And here's the deal in the beginning. That was great. Like that was exactly what your business needed, right? Yeah. You birth this thing. And uh, I think about it like the analogy that I use is if you think about like planetary orbit, right? You don't have to be an astrophysicist to know that in outer space, little things orbit around big things, right? So moons orbit around planets, which orbit around, you know, stars, uh, mm. which are orbiting around black holes, right? So mass like matters. And, and what happens is we launch our little business and, and that UOS, the mass that is us, is big enough to keep this little business in orbit. But if it grows, right, if you do your job, which the goal is to grow the business by doing your job well, by having success, eventually the business starts flinging you around, you start orbiting around it. And I think mm. any entrepreneur who's achieved any level of scale has felt that. And so if you're there, what I want you to hear is like, you're not broken, your business isn't broken. What you are experiencing is, is exactly what was supposed to happen, right? You're it was it, the next step. Yeah. You're a victim of your own success. Congratulations. But what that means is we need 
upgrade our operating system. I mean, just like you can no longer run, like you think about the computers we're using right now, right? If we were using like a Windows 98 operating system, it literally wouldn't work. What yeah, we're using we now is too powerful for that. Right. We yeah. have to upgrade. You know, you're if you got an iPhone, you get an OS, an iOS upgrade at least once a year. There's a major upgrade, new ones all the time. So, you know, businesses they need an operating system and a UOS is probably not going to cut it for long. So kind of this realization, I felt it again, I've, (laughs) I've experienced the ups and downs of the entrepreneurial, you know, roller coaster. And so I really dove in to figure out like, what does it mean to build a business operating system? Because Mm -hmm. lots of people talk about it, but there was no real clear definition or framework for what business operating system is. And so I'm just a big believer in like, let's go back to first principles, right? What is, you know, an operating system? Like what are things that make up an operating system? And it turns out an operating system is made up of three things. It's made up of a set of algorithms, right? The source code. It's made up of a common language that allows different components to communicate. So when you, for example, move your mouse, there is a cursor on the screen that moves too, right? So that user interface, that visual feedback, that's the common language, right? Mm -hmm. You type F on the keyboard, F shows up on the screen, right? So it's a set of algorithms plus a common language and clear desired outputs, right? Mm -hmm. So what do we want to happen? So set of algorithms, common language, desired outputs. Those are the three things, the three components of any operating system. So when I thought set of algorithms, that's okay. What are our processes and procedures? That is your set of algorithms, you know, and who's supposed to be, who's responsible for them. So that needs to be, that's the foundation. Now the mistake everybody makes with this is they say, document everything that you do. And I'm here to say, you don't want to do that because won't happen. It'll take too long. And everybody in your company, if you make them do that, are going to hate you. Mm. We did that. We shut down the entire company a few years back for a month. (laughs) We were like, just document what you do. And everybody was pissed off and they hated. They're like, the freaking waste of time. You know, why are you making us do this? And then we were done. We put on like all the little checklists in this binder and literally nobody ever opened the binder again, (laughs) myself included. So you don't do that. Like you start with like, what is our actual critical value creating process? Like how do we get customers? How do we serve those customers? What are the stages within that that actually matter? Document those. Most businesses operating systems could literally be in half a dozen checklists and Mm -hmm. a visual map of how customers happen. So that's your set of algorithms. That's what we have, uh, you know, our clients do first now you can say, okay, this is how you create value, Mm. right? This is how value happens. This is how your customer happens. This is your source code. Now, common language, like what that is, is a company scorecard, like dashboards, Mm. right? And so that's what I talked about. What am I looking at? Our entire company has a scorecard. At the very top of it are those North Star metrics that we selected during the quarterly sprint plan. Below that are team scorecard like top level scorecards. So the marketing team is going to have three that they pick that are most important this quarter out of all the ones are tracking on their team scorecard. Yeah. Uh, and then also meeting rhythm, right? So that meeting rhythm is another aspect of common language. So common language, those two things, it's dashboard scorecards and it's meetings. And I'm a big believer, by the way, in meetings. I think having a lot of the right kind of meetings mean you have none of the wrong kind and you actually don't have to meet as much. So we do those two-day quarterly sprint plans. We do monthly business reviews. The teams are doing weekly team check-ins, right? Where it's how we doing. Uh, We're generally doing weekly or monthly all hands. And so that's our general meeting rhythm. And then the desired outputs is like, what are the company's goals? And so that's a combination of our 12Q goal. Where where are we going to be in three years? What's our goal for this particular quarter? Uh, And then what are our, you know, another aspect of our, of outputs are what's our, what are our values? What's our company purpose? Like, what are we putting out to the world? And so we codify that in a, in a tool that we call a clarity compass. 
And so those, those things, when you create those and, you know, and for us, it's, it's six different tools that all come together to form the operating system. And then we build them inside of a notion uh, dashboard so that you have an actual tool that your business can use to keep all this going. So it's not just a bunch of crap and binders. And so, yeah, that's kind of the, that's sort of the, I guess the pitch, if you will, if, if you like the idea of having all that stuff figured out and documented and actually being able to step away from, from your business for a bit, uh, that's kind of the promise that we have at the scalable company. Absolutely. And what a great promise that is right? Especially for people who are pulling their hair out as they're scaling up. I got to ask you the question I ask everybody, Ryan, what is your secret to scaling? You know, for me, people said like scale is all about hiring for your weaknesses. And that's true, but that's what growth is about. I think growth is about hiring for your weaknesses. I think uh, scale is actually about hiring for your strengths. When you Mm. make the shift to hiring people to do the things that you are amazingly great at, because you find that there's actually people who, if they're focusing on just that one thing, they'll they'll actually be better than you. That's when you shift from growth to scale. That's when it Mm. can really become uh, geometric. And that's the thing that I find that people have the hardest time in the world doing. They're Mm. pretty good at hiring for their weaknesses. I don't want to do that. Let's get somebody else to do it. Hiring for your strengths. It's really, really hard for me to hand over the reins of marketing. Yeah, nobody's you know? as good as me at, at all, any of these things. So I could never hire them out. <laughs> right. Well, and, and here's the reality. No one is going to be as good at you as everything, at everything. No one will ever be as yeah. good as you at running all aspects of your business. Yeah. But many people, legions of people will be better than you at any one thing if that's mm. the only thing that they're focused on, including the one thing that you think you're the best in the world at. I think I'm a pretty good marketer. Every single marketing manager at this company is better than me at marketing because all they do is they show up every single day and think about marketing. And I don't get the luxury of doing that as an entrepreneur, as a CEO. And so, you know, I'm going to let them be the best marketer they can. So I think that's, that's a secret scale. Hire for your strengths. I love that. One more question before we just get into the last three here. What kind of shared resources do you place up in the top company? Yeah, the only things that we really share are the general admin functions. So finance, accounting, HR, HR, legal. Uh, We do have a centralized, uh, what we call growth team. And so they are responsible for launching new projects and businesses. So uh, Matt Swan, who is an amazing marketer, he's paired up with a media buyer, a designer, and kind of a rev ops like technical person. So if we're going to go and launch something new, that's a strike team that can go and do it. I like but that. having a shared marketing team, just you got to get marketing dedicated. Having a, you know, you can't have product or some like the thing that you do, that's got to be, you know, decentralized. Yeah. And we tried, like, I used to believe it's that synergy word, right? Oh, we'll save so much if we just centralize all this stuff. It only never freaking worked. The only thing we can centralize is accounting, finance, HR, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So be really, really careful about, about centralizing. That was an incredibly selfish question for me. So thank you, Ryan. Yeah. I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, three more questions for you. Favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Oh, dang. Favorite tool. I'll tell you, man. I rediscovered a daily planner, my daily planner habit yeah. of just going in, going back to analog. I had shifted so many things over to to Notion because I love Notion as a, as a tool for running our company operating systems. What I found is that using a day planner that has, so it has an, a calendar in there. I stopped and I was like, hey, I got Google Calendar. I don't, I don't need a calendar in here. But what I, what I do is I write in kind of my big three for the day. And then on the calendar part for the time, instead of writing in what I'm going to do, I, I document what I did. And so every oh. single 
single day, I am basically keeping a, a diary and I'll go back in. It's not like I'm there every 15 minutes writing it, but I'm doing a time study pretty much all day, every day. And it is really, it's good for accountability. And anytime one of my leaders, they're like, oh, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm super busy. I think we need to hire for somebody. I'm like, I need you to just spend the next two weeks doing a time study. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. going to be hard. It's like, I can hold up mine and say, I literally do mine every single day. So cry me a freaking river. And so I would say my favorite tool, the one that I literally use every single day is my analog day planner. I love that. That's awesome. That's great advice. Favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? I really love, uh, do you know the All In podcast? No. The All In podcast, it's David Sachs, Chamath uh, Palihapitiya. It's all like kind of Silicon Valley, like VC folks, but they get cool. into general investing, like world events. I don't always agree with everything uh, they say, which is part of the reason that that I you know, liked, I like to listen to them. I agree with most of what they say, but I just think they do a really good uh, job with a broad array of things that are all kind of, I think, interesting to anybody who is in, you know, the investing entrepreneurship space. So that's the one that every time a new episode drops, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Love it. Last question for you. If you could sit down with anybody, you get an hour with them. Uh, you can have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, whatever you like. They have to be alive. Who would it be? Gotta be alive. I think I would say, and I, I don't know this would have would have been my answer before, but Steven Schwartzman, who's the CEO of Blackstone, uh, we sold a company uh, to a company that's a, that's a Blackstone company, yeah. and just you have a company here who is that is like a I don't know a two trillion dollar company that owns all these different companies. And so this is somebody who is who is doing what I'm doing, but at multiple orders of magnitude greater. <laughs> And I just yeah. think, you know, some of the questions that you're asking dollars. me, oh, it's, it's, a, it's stupid. I mean, you're talking about, you know, running an infrastructure that's larger than the entire like pension system in the US, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so we just had a board meeting. One of the, we sold a business to a UK based company that's owned by Blackstone. And so I just got back from London and we had our board meeting. And so I was talking to the, the CEO uh, and he got an opportunity to, to do just that. And, and he was telling me wow. about, you know, this, this dinner that he got to have with, with, uh, with, with Schwartzman. I was like, I would like to do that. So it's funny. There's no way that I don't know if I would have had an answer, but literally last week I heard about this amazing dinner where somebody's like, I would like to do that. Uh, so there you go. Oh, that's an awesome answer. Never had that one before. So thank you, Ryan. Does everybody say Elon Musk? Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I had, okay. I don't know if you know, Kurt, Kurt Elster. Uh, I had him on earlier today and uh, he said Elon too. I'm like, come on, Kurt. Like I would have yeah. expected you to say somebody else, but. <laughs> I don't think Elon, because I thought about Elon when you asked, I was like, maybe, but I don't think he would actually tell me anything. I think he'd be like, so just annoyed that I was there <laughs> and just so like, whatever, that I'd just be incredibly disappointed. And because he'd be like, I don't want to be here right now. Yeah. Uh, so. That's and I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. But but yeah, yeah that's why I was like, you know, if he'd be cool, then then fine. But if he's like, nah, anyway, yeah, yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, you don't you don't want to be a bother to him. No. Ryan, where can people find out more about you and more about Scalable? I mean, so it's uh, scalable.co. So not .com, scalable.co is that's, I mean, that that's where I would go. And, and that's me right now. And so, cool. you know, I've got a, I've got a, we've got a, a YouTube channel there where I'm producing videos pretty regularly if you want to see what's going on. Also Twitter. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, that is me. Every other social channel is my team posting on my behalf. Twitter for better or worse is, is you. me. Cool. Yeah. And so if, if you see, uh, I'll go days without posting cause I got nothing to say and then I'll drink too many glasses of wine one night and post stuff I shouldn't post. So that's what I mean for better or worse. But, uh, but yeah, if you want to, if you want to reach out to me, Twitter is a good way to do it and uh, definitely check out what we're doing at, uh, at scalable. And if you want to see kind of where your company is, what level of scale you are at, cause I think it's really important to know what you should be focusing on, on now. We actually have a free assessment and it's at seven levels of scale.com. Cool. There's also a link on the scalable homepage, but check that out. And uh, yeah, hopefully that helps some folks. 
Yeah. And of course, all of that will be in the show notes. Everything that we've talked about today will be in the show notes, guys. So please, please check those out. Ryan, thank you so much for your time today. We did go overboard and uh, I appreciate the extra time. It was a pleasure, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.